Football Podcast. What up, what up, fantasy people? This is the True North Fantasy Football Podcast. I, of course, am Travis Seal. I got my co-host Tyron McLaughlin back with me. What's going on, buddy? Oh, man, it's snowing out there. Ooh, the blizzard of 2020. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, it's uh, it's looking real nice out there. I think uh, it, it's pretty awesome. Where we live looks really, really beautiful when there's snow because, A, we don't get a ton of it, and, B, there's a lot of greenery. Yeah, it's majestic, whatever. I work outside, so it is horrible. <laughs> So what yeah. do we what do we got in the agenda tonight? <laughs> Moving right along from that, um, yeah, man, we're going to continue with breakdown season. We got lots going on on this episode. We are going to get into the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I think that's a team both of us were looking forward to. Lots to unpack with those guys. Crazy offense, crazy players, but uh, that's going to be fun. Yeah, it's funny because we were talking about maybe saving some teams until after they're done actually playing football this year, but. Yeah, the poor Ravens fans after losing to uh, the Titans there. We don't have to worry about that. Yeah, it lined up perfectly for the True North Fantasy Football Podcast, didn't it? (laughs) Love it. Love it. All right, so let's get into those Baltimore Ravens. Have at her. Yeah, so so what can you say? I mean, well, there's a lot to say. It was, uh, it was an awesome year for these guys. 14-2 and two season. Uh, Lamar Jackson just kicked it up like three levels. The run game was stellar. The passing game was efficient. Um, what did you see out of the Baltimore Ravens? Like, how how did you feel about their season? Yeah, overall, it was a, it was a pretty pretty wild season when you look back. I mean, you mentioned the 14-2 record. That's their best record in franchise history, actually. And uh, I, I just feel bad for Ravens fans right now. They're probably still bruised and battered. The black and purple faithful are probably black and purple emotionally right now. But if we re, <laughs> it, it's it's you still got to look at it from a wide scope because if we rewind, remember even after winning the division last year, they were behind Cleveland and Pittsburgh in public opinion polls last off season. And even those of us who thought they could win the division, nobody saw an explosion of this magnitude. And Lamar taking a big step forward was something you and I predicted. But MVP level, like nobody predicted that. But as a team, yeah, as a team coming into this year, I just thought we, I thought we all thought that Baltimore still felt a year away coming into 2019. But now we fast forward to the present on the back of a monumental breakout MVP season from your quarterback. It it was just a pretty spectacular year. And actually quickly back to the past, you know, with these two losses, I think it'll just light fire under the Baltimore bellies because John Harborough, all the personalities in Baltimore uh, they, they just have the right makeup to, to use this as motivation instead of, uh, you know, making the atmosphere in the locker room be that of disappointment, right? And the Ravens and John Harborough, before winning their most recent Super Bowl, did lose to the Patriots and then beat that same Patriots team on route to their Super Bowl. Yeah, I think uh, I think I've been impressed with the head that Lamar Jackson has on his shoulders too. Like any anytime you see him in a press conference, he doesn't want to talk about any of the BS. He just wants to talk about you know winning. Uh, he said you know this will stick with him for a little bit, but he's going to get ready to get to work for next year. So I'm with you. I don't think it's going to really uh, beat them down too much. I think they're going to be locked and loaded to come back for another run next season. Yeah, and I think it starts with the coaches. Like, we're talking a little bit about coaching now, and you just can't find a more perfect marriage than what we've seen with the Ravens. It's just such a well-oiled machine. The GM kind of built the team around the skill set of his unique quarterback, Lamar Jackson, and 
The head coach, John Harborough, is aggressive, he's analytical, he's an elite motivator, and the offensive coordinator, I know you love him, Greg Roman, he can easily be forgotten in this conversation, but he's elevated Kaepernick, Tyrod Taylor, and now Lamar Jackson to not only their best statistical seasons, but their highest fantasy seasons as well. Yeah, man, I think we all kind of knew that they were going to rely heavily on the run game, and we knew that that was going to be a productive run game, but I didn't really see them being this efficient in the passing game, and I actually didn't see, you know, Lamar Jackson being as good as he was this season in the passing game. So, uh, Greg Roman, hats off to him. I, I think, you know, he he got everything that he wanted out of that Kaepernick offense, but it was just supercharged. Yeah, and the system, like, let's roll into the nitty-gritty here because the Ravens, they're such a fun team to dissect, I think. Like, when we look at why teams couldn't handle Baltimore, it's Lamar Jackson, yeah, first and foremost, but the system the staff has implemented has worked just perfectly. They ran 95% of their plays from shotgun this year. Baltimore ran 178 RPOs this year, and run pass uh, RPO is just run-pass option. It's just a, you know, it creates a guessing game for defenses pretty much. But those numbers, they just smash any other team. It's the most unique offense in football. They run personnel packages only a handful of teams do, including some really old school ones. And you mentioned the pass efficiency. Like, it's because they're so run heavy. That's what allowed them in 2019 to be the best, most efficient passing offense. It's just, we nobody saw that coming. And one thing that I love to see from this type of offense is Lamar was actually third in pass attempts in the NFL on play action. And I just love seeing that. Yeah, that was a big piece of the offense. You mentioned how run heavy they were. They ran the ball on 56% of their plays, and there was no team actually over 50% this year aside from them, so that was pretty slick. They also had almost 600 attempts, which is the most since the 2009 Jets, who had 607, and the Ravens had 596 this year, so just a touch under. They had just under 3,300 yards rushing, which beat an old Patriots record for the most rushing yards in history on on the team level. So that was pretty stellar. You know, it goes without saying that this running game is one that we want to have for fantasy football. And I think we saw that bear fruit this season. Yeah, on paper, Baltimore is the best offense in football. And But I, at the same time, Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. It's kind of a pretty foggy windshield looking at some of the numbers this offense did put up. So I do think we have to detach Lamar from some of this information just to make sure we don't overvalue the skill players in 2020 because i think for the first time in like forever people they're gonna be ripping off their own arms and beating each other with them to get baltimore ravens and fantasy drafts next year yeah i you're totally right people are gonna want a piece of that and we're gonna get into a bunch of that stuff later but it is really interesting to think about those pieces and if you look at all of the numbers and the usage um like i said which we'll get into if you look at all that stuff it's i i question some of that a little bit but we'll, we'll talk about that yeah, I wanna, right now I want to talk about some of just the overall crazy offensive numbers we saw. Hit it. All right, I'm going to cannonball right into this offense and all its 2019 glory here. Baltimore <laughs> was the only team to score over 30 points per game this year. They hit 33.2 points per game. They scored the most total touchdowns on offense by a decent margin. They were second in rushing touchdowns. They were first in receiving touchdowns. And the Ravens were one of just two teams to average over 400 yards on offense this year. And they had the most trips to the red zone and the most touchdowns in close. So, Trav, that is some pretty gaudy stuff. But I want to know, what what are you betting on Baltimore repeating more? Like, what, what do you have more faith in them repeating? The 400 yards per game on offense or the four offensive touchdowns they're scoring per game? Or do you think they're just going to walk all over the competition again in 2020? I think walking on them might be a little bit of a stretch. There is going to be some adjustment and, you know, the, the league kind of catches up to some of this stuff. I, I think I would say probably the 400 yards per game is what I would say is repeatable just because, you know, if you look at their uh, their red zone numbers, they like you said, they had the most trips to the red zone. 
They had the second best touchdown percentage in there at 67.2%, and only one team was better. That was the Tennessee Titans. You know, I think they were super efficient when they were in close, and that helped with those four touchdowns per game. So I think if one thing is going to drop off out of those two, I'd say they're going to keep the 400 yards per game, and they're potentially going to score a little bit less than those four offensive touchdowns per game. Yeah, they, they could probably run for 400 yards per game next year. The, <laughs> yeah, damn close. The, the run damn game, it was, it was just... It was king. And you mentioned they had the most, they were the run heaviest team. They had the most rushing attempts since, you know, the Jets in 2009. They broke the record from 1978 for the most rushing yards by a team. They had more than 1,000 rushing yards than any other team in football this year. They had over 100 carries more than any other team in football this year. They had more than 200 carries, more than almost 200 more carries than the Rams, who were middle of the pack in rushing this year. And what I wanted to talk about is usually a team with huge, huge volume, you see their efficiency drop way off, like yards per carry, success rate, all that, it goes way down. At least that's what, like, Leonard Fournette enthusiasts have always told me, Trav. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't know why I decided to take a shot at Leonard Fournette there. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Ravens didn't get the memo. Only three teams in 2019 averaged over five yards per carry as a bunch. Tennessee and Arizona, believe it or not, those teams, uh, they just hit the five yards per carry as a group. The Ravens average 5.5 yards per carry as a team. So volume and efficiency are just such a dangerous pair. It's, it's really insane. Yeah, it's that Jackson 5 that uh, you've been talking about. So uh, I, I think they're definitely going to keep that up next year. This is what they want to run. This is who they want to be. Their skill position players as far as pass catchers are used in certain roles, but it all revolves around them being to, being able to run the ball. Yeah, so Trav, the run game, it's sexy. Both of us, we like Mark Ingram, always have, mainly because of his price. But uh, do you think there's some explosive upside that's unrealized from the running back position? That's that's what I'll leave you with here before we move on from the run game. Yeah, from the running back position, there definitely could be a little bit. You know, Mark uh, Mark Ingram's carries weren't weren't the highest. He had just over 200 carries, and we'll talk about him. But you know, his per game totals didn't look that big. Um, and I could see them. You know, I don't think they're going to scale back Lamar Jackson because this is what he is, and that's how that offense runs. But I could see potential for them to maybe work in some Justice Hill a little bit more next year. And I think the you know you mentioned a little bit of explosive upside, and Justice Hill is that. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I meant. Like, it just felt like that was, if there was anything missing, that was the only thing I could find, you know. So, cool. Trav, I was I was going to say we should hit the passing game for Baltimore before we get into players, but maybe do you want to just jump into players? We can hit some of the pertinent info when we get to the Hollywood Hills or, you know, what we'll hit is target distribution. Like, there's still an abundance of eye-popping stuff from the Ravens offense, but a lot of it has to do with, like, how often the running backs and wide receivers were targeted and how frequently the tight ends were. So, like, are, are you down to just hop in? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, should we start with uh, the king, Lamar Jackson? Let's do it. MVP, 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 MVP. Right. Now I would just like to introduce y'all to the man, the myth, the legend, the MVP front runner. If anybody else got to say something different about that, then come see me. Yep. I'm right here in Beemore outside the bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. Lamar Jackson <laughs> in the flesh. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, so I'm just going to kind of lay out his line real quick just to kind of show the people kind of the numbers that he put up. Um, so he had 66.1% completions for 3,127 yards. He had the league-leading 36 touchdowns, six interceptions. Uh, he had 7.8 yards per attempt. And then if you look at his rushing, I think we all know how historic that was. He beat Michael Vick's quarterback rushing record, and he had 1,206 yards in doing so. Uh, he had 176 rush attempts, seven touchdowns. 
and he had 6.9 yards per rush. So that is first in the NFL by more than one full yard per rush. So unbelievable. He had 11 attempts per game, which is an awesome floor for a fantasy quarterback. So um, like we said, MVP. Yeah, and I'll start by saying some of this we've said already this offseason. Really, a lot of this will be heavily discussed by the masses, but I, I think we can get ahead of it, and it'll it'll be drilled into our brains at that point. Maybe we can win some Lamar debates while we're playing some uh, Romoli with the boys or watching Championship Weekend or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, Lamar Jackson smashed in the rushing game. We know that. Only five running backs in the NFL outrushed Lamar. He had more rushing yards than guys like Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, and Dalvin Cook. He was just the third quarterback in history to score 400 points in fantasy. And now this is what I'm talking about. It could be a little bit of repeat info, but the Lamar passing touchdown is the realest thing ever. Right away, Baltimore just wasn't a very explosive passing game. Only 9% of the Ravens' passes went for over 15 yards. And they were a passing game that they, they threw a lot of touchdowns. They just confused defenses. They went more pass-heavy in the red zone. But even with an explanation of the accumulation, some of the numbers in Baltimore here this season... They're just so insane. They're so insane we can't expect them to to happen again, really. The effectiveness of this offense was just off the charts. They were among the league lead, Trav, in first down percentage on run plays. Almost 40% of their passing plays also went for first down. So, you know, it's hard to hard to beat on Lamar, but I'm going to try here on my five-point attack, and I'll do it really quick. I'll, <laughs> okay. I promise I'll be as quick as possible here. So, number one, Lamar Jackson will decline because all quarterback ones do. Any quarterback going back to 2011 who scored over 340 fantasy points saw, on average, a 30% decline of their fantasy points the following season. And just to reiterate how this happens to the quarterback one most of the time, we just look at attempts to touchdowns and yards touchdowns this year Lamar jumps out in both he led the NFL in touchdowns but he's 26th in pass attempts check this out Baltimore led the NFL obviously in passing touchdowns meanwhile they were dead last in completed passes dead last in pass attempts like that is just insane it's a lot of bang for your buck mm-hmm. number three the historical touchdown rate and its unrelenting fight back versus the quarterback position and man Lamar is one of the most drastic examples ever his nine percent touchdown rate was only behind Peyton Manning for the NFL record and no quarterback since 2011 with a seven percent or better touchdown rate and over 200 passes thrown uh, has had a better touchdown rate the following year and Lamar was at nine percent number four I'm not going to dive in but yeah his touchdowns they were just so high they were astronomical relative to how few passing yards he had and We'd love to see his passing attempts and yards go up in 2020, but the, the play volume is already so high in Baltimore, it would just take away from the team's rushing, and I, I just don't see that happening. And anytime Baltimore is going to face adversity, they will revert back to the ground attack. And actually, there is a number five, too, that would go into what he did in the red zone uh, with his arm. It's another topic we covered on the last couple pods, but man, Lamar Jackson had 21 total touchdowns inside the 10-yard line. He had 30 touchdowns overall in the red zone in 2019 and zero interceptions, by the way nuts so again just throwing all that out there because lamar jackson will go in the first or second rounds of our fantasy drafts next year totally man i want to just kind of put a couple other things out there so one thing you know you mentioned that efficiency and i was kind of looking into i noticed that you know is obviously his passing yardage looked a little bit low in comparison to those touchdowns so i looked at quarterbacks who have thrown for 30 plus touchdowns and under 3500 yards uh, there's only six that have done it and lamar jackson has the most touchdowns of those six and the fewest yards and the fewest attempts of those six. Um, so that really highlights the the ridiculous efficiency. The other names on that list are Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz from 2017, Brett Favre from 03, Roethlisberger from 07, and Randall Cunningham from 1990. Wow. Uh, so that, that's pretty cool showing, you know. Now you're going to let me venture a couple guesses, eh? 
<laughs> Sorry, I figured I'd just lay him out instead of having you guess five. Oh, those are guys. those are good. I would have got Russell Wilson for sure. Yeah, definitely. And the last thing I kind of want to talk about on Lamar is just uh, how efficient the deep passing was as well. Uh, he had 108.3 passer rating when he passed over 15 yards. So this stuff is all from Sharp Football Stats. Um, we mentioned it on the last episode. That's a site that we like to use for a little bit more in-depth stats and, and look at some of the numbers. So on those deep ball attempts, Lamar Jackson completed 42%, and those accounted for 11 of his touchdowns. Seven of them were actually up the middle, and just kind of a side note, um, half of his touchdowns were located in the middle of the field, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, apparently Lamar can't throw left. That's what I saw on Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I yeah, I put way too much negativity on Lamar back there. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it made me feel like garbage. So I have some fun stuff, some uplifting stuff for Lamar Jackson here. Lamar was the 11th quarterback off the board in fantasy drafts. We know he was the quarterback one overall, but that was just half the game shark that was Lamar Jackson this year. He came with a 6.6 points per game advantage over the rest of the competition at quarterback this year in fantasy. I went back 20 years. That was the widest margin. Last year, Pat Mahomes had a four points per game margin. Peyton Manning in 2013 had a 3.2 points per game margin. Tom Brady in 2007 with that 50 touchdown season, he had a 5.2 points per game advantage on the rest of the quarterback competition in fantasy. And this year, yeah, Lamar 6.6. And uh, I'm going to get really nerdy here, but Lamar Jackson, uh, his yards before contact were just off the charts. He had 4.9 yards before contact this year. He averaged almost five yards of open field per carry in 2019. The next highest was Raheem Mostert in the entire NFL at 3.5. So we love Raheem too, by the way. Oh, it's the Mostert Tiger. And yeah, Lamar Jackson also led the quarterback position in yards after contact as well, by far. So the rushing output, you know, we know, but to put it in context, check this out. Lamar Jackson has 22 NFL starts. He averages, did you, you know, really quick, Trev, did you say he had like 11 attempts per game this year? Yeah. He averages 11 fantasy points per game just on his rushing production alone (laughs) in his career, in his 22 starts. Man, that's like a point per carry with zero yardage points. That's like, yeah, that's just insane. And it's pretty consistent too, man. Like he's currently on a 14 game streak of over 40 or more rushing yards. So think of that for four point per passing touchdown leagues. If you play six point per passing touchdown leagues, Lamar has had 22 starts, 18 of them. He's over 60 yards rushing. So over 80% of the time he's delivered the equivalent of a passing touchdown in six point per passing touchdown leagues. And, you know, maybe the best metric Lamar Jackson has going for him is fantasy points per drop back. It's PFF metric. And holy, just look at Lamar and that stat. It's just, it's it's off the charts. So I, I got a couple questions for you here, Trav. Do you think mm-hmm. his volume comes up? And any has anything changed since last time we talked? Where are you looking to draft him? Hmm. Well, I'm not necessarily sure that that passing volume is going to come up. Like I think maybe a you know, minimal amount, but I don't think it's going to come up a crazy amount where, you know, we're, uh, we're shifting our thinking on the way this offense operates. You know, I think it's going to stay in that 400 range and rely on that run game and uh, ideally, obviously some more efficiency, but I think even a little bit of a drop in efficiency, um, I think Lamar would still be all right. You mentioned that points per game differential that he has, which is, that was wild compared to those other other wicked seasons those quarterbacks have had um so he provided a huge advantage so i think he could probably almost afford a little dip with that rushing floor i know that and that's something i keep having to revisit when i talk about his actual value and redraft because i say it's crazy to draft him in the first round but i don't think it's crazy to draft him right around the end of the second round you know what i mean and some of the stuff i worry about though is i really just don't see the passing yardage being there as a team 
Baltimore was near the basement and air yards. And I really, I checked out some of the splits and they're kind of hard to make sense of because things like he crushed the league on first down this year. Everybody thought Lamar Jackson would run or at least somebody would on Baltimore would run on first down, I guess. But almost 40% of Lamar Jackson's passing yards came on first down and 36% of his passing touchdowns. And the stats involving wins and losses are pretty muddy too. A shitload of his stats came in wins and games they went on to win by 15 points or more. And just most of the time in 2019, the Ravens played with a big lead. And... <clears throat> and we mentioned his record at, off the top, like Ravens 14-2, and two, but his pass attempts and their two losses, they really, really stood out. The attempts went up to almost 40 pass attempts per game compared to the 25 pass attempts per game in wins under Lamar Jackson, and basically his passing yards go up and carries go down in losses. So if we think Baltimore is going to walk all over the competition again next year, it's going to be a lot of the same of what we've seen this year. But if we think the NFL figures them out to an extent, we could see his fantasy points regress significantly, even though his passing volume would increase. But I don't even know if his yardage would, you know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. it's just trippy. And I'm a Steelers fan, so maybe this is biased. But Lamar's struggles this year were few and far between. But when it happened, it happened against Cleveland and Pittsburgh, division rivals. Just fantasy goodness inside of splits on pro football reference when you look at players' advanced splits. So I urge everybody to go look at those. But five of Lamar Jackson's six interceptions came in the three games versus either Cleveland or Pittsburgh this year. Versus, the, versus 10 other opponents, he had a 26 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. So all that's to say, I'm, I, I guess I'm beyond skeptical Lamar can like dominate to the level he did this year. And a lot of his stats throwing the ball were far higher than any year he had in college. I think for fantasy owners, the drop off in touchdown rate and a lot of the other similar stats, they'll be really similar to what we saw from Patrick Mahomes this year from a fantasy points per game standpoint. Yeah, I'm kind of with you too. I'm, I'm a little bit weary of drafting him next year. Uh, we mentioned last episode and just now you mentioned that we like him in that kind of two, three turn area. Um, so that's for a one quarterback league, but I got a question for you, Ty. What about a super flex startup? Like, w- would you pull the trigger in the top five? If I you know. Were a super flex startup. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be the guy who's doing that, but I definitely see the arguments for taking Lamar Jackson that high. If, like, I, I won't, I don't change my Superflex rankings in the top five usually, so my rankings right now is to be Stan, probably be Christian McCaffrey, uh, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott right now. And then you're talking about Michael Thomas, Dalvin Cook, players like that. So, you know, if you want Lamar Jackson over those players, I definitely see the argument for it. And honestly, for me, it might come down to something as simple as if you start three wide receivers in that league, what you're what your league commands you to play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, the reason I ask is because uh, I talked last episode about that uh, startup mock draft that uh, I wrote up with a bunch of fantasy analysts on the, in the community. And uh, Lamar Jackson went at the 103 in that in that league. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't think I'd be pulling the trigger that early. I, I do see the value, like you said, but I, I think that's a little bit early and there's a ton of value to be had in the quarterback position um, because there is some likely regression coming. So a top three pick is pretty hefty. And that, yeah, man, that will not be uncommon in Superflex startups this uh, this offseason for sure. Mm-hmm. You want to uh, keep going with the run game but move into Mark Ingram? Well, I was thinking, do you mind if before we dive into Mark Ingram and the running back room funky bunch there, I was thinking similar to Atlanta, we should hit a few things before. Not because we think Ingram will be gone necessarily, but man, we have to remove or detach Lamar from a few things before diving in, I think. You down? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. You hear some of the accolades the team achieved via the run attack, but let's see if it was all Lamar Jackson. In a word, it was. 
or that's two words. In a word, yes. <laughs> so the RPO and the play calling, it creates such a safe floor for rushing production. Not to be confused with running back production, because yeah, we can talk about the running back involvement in the passing game shortly. But let's hit a thing or two here looking at the difference between the team and the team's running backs, because... It's important because the Ravens led in categories like 20-yard runs and 40-yard runs and all these chunk plays, but a significant chunk of those chunk plays were Lamar Jackson. And the Ravens as a team, they were in a different stratosphere for big plays overall and explosive offense. So let's look at some of the big categories for running backs in fantasy. Red zone carries. Baltimore had the most red zone carries inside their opponent's red zone this year. When we just look at running backs, though, for all 32 teams, Baltimore's running backs fall to fourth in the NFL. And that seems meaningless, but a big difference shows up between uh, the Baltimore running backs and who do you think else would be there, Trev? Uh, the Minnesota Vikings running yeah, backs. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, they, they were probably number one. And yeah, you mentioned that uh, that carry volume. And just between Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards, they had 61 carries inside the, the red zone. So pretty good numbers. But, you know, Lamar's, Lamar's totals definitely boost that team total overall. Yeah, for sure. And Baltimore running backs, they, you know, they don't lose a lot in efficiency. It's pretty crazy because of the advantage, you know, Lamar Jackson has as a team. Uh, they rank fifth in the NFL in success rate for red zone rushing in overall and for the running backs. And the Ravens as a team, this is where it gets interesting because they're number one in explosive play percentage by a good margin in the run game. But the Ravens running backs rank just 12th. Although when we factor in play volume, the running backs did have the seventh most explosive rushing plays. But Another drop off from, you know, you just you could hear a lot about that this offseason about how explosive the running game is, but I'm not sure it came necessarily from the running backs. And we need our running backs in Baltimore to produce by land because they're not going to produce by air. Yeah, that's a good point. The Ravens targeted their running backs just 51 times this year. So, I mean, 51 times over 16 games is super, super low. That means that Mark Ingram with five receiving touchdowns, he caught a touchdown on every 10 running back targets. Um, So, I mean, five receiving touchdowns for Mark Ingram uh, on such little volume was pretty impressive, but I don't think that's something that we can expect to repeat, hey? Yeah, that is, that's hilarious. 51, that is insane. Yeah, man. And, you know, we knew that Lamar Jackson wasn't going to be Drew Brees, but I think, you know, I think we thought it would be a little bit more than that. Mobile quarterbacks do tend to cap a running back's pass catching upside because, you know, in the face of adversity in the pocket, they they tend not to check down and they'll just kind of put the pedal to the metal if they see any green grass and get as many yards as they can on the ground. So, I mean, three three running back targets per game is is far too low for somebody who you want to have that big upside. I think for me, the running backs in uh, in Baltimore are more of a steady thing than than kind of an upside play, you know? Yeah, definitely is the depth chart sits right now. Three a game, that's one each for Ingram, Edwards, and Justice Hill. That's not fair. <laughs> and I, I just pulled it up here. So 19 different running backs around the NFL had more targets by themselves than the running backs did as a team. <laughs> that's, wow. But, you know, with, the coaching staff is obviously one of the best in the league, though. I really believe that. And hopefully they can incorporate the running back in the passing game more. In 2020, Baltimore was number one in success rate and top 10 in yards per attempt when targeting running backs this year. Yeah, just just a little bit more efficiency coming out of that Baltimore offense, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go figure. Go figure. So let's fly into Mark Ingram here. Actually, I, I looked and I, I was kind of surprised that Mark Ingram is actually younger than you and I are. He just turned 30 before Christmas. Wow, um, spoiler. Well, I actually like it. It almost felt like he was older than that, you know? Yeah, definitely. But anyway, uh, a In big In running trust. back years, he's like 60. 
Yeah, totally. He's he's an old man. He's going to be running with a cane in his hand. He's got to make sure he totes the rock with one hand there. Whoa. Um, Hope it's not a cane gun. Yeah. That's I just dangerous. Watched, I just watched Evil Genius on Netflix. Great oh. docu. Watch it, everybody. Okay. Okay. I'm going to put that one on the list. That list is growing pretty long, by the way. <laughs> you, you got lots of good show recommendations that I just never. Oh, dude, to tomorrow, to. tomorrow's the day. Uh, uh, oh, the Hernandez, yeah, Aaron Hernandez doc tomorrow. Oh my goodness, that's gonna be unreal. Boom. All right, so uh, Mark Ingram, let's fly in here. Uh, big trust, big trust. He actually had big tuds this year. Fifteen total touchdowns for Mark Ingram. We mentioned those five receiving touchdowns. He also had ten on the ground. Um, he added those to just over a thousand rushing yards. Um, your Jackson five rule was still in effect with the five yards per carry. So uh, Mark Ingram had a pretty nice year. Uh, we mentioned at the top that his his per game carry total was kind of low. He only had thirteen and a half attempts per game, uh, and he only actually went over fifteen carries twice and he went under 10 twice so i mean it's not the high 20 plus carries per that you're looking for but you could rely on mark ingram for those you know 10 to 14 carries per game and this year he definitely still made it happen yeah we talked about the ravens having a perfect marriage of general manager head coach offense coordinator quarterback add add running back to that mix like mark ingram fits right into the identity of this team uh and not just as a hype man (laughs) but (laughs) (laughs) by the uh, bank yeah i'm so, outside the bank come see me <laughs> uh, so only three running backs this year eclipsed five yards per carry and had 200 or more rushing attempts derrick henry nick chubb and mark ingram trav which of those three did not win a heisman derrick henry nick chubb and mark ingram it's the chubster yeah it was but he was supposed to be in a duel with leonard Fournette that year yeah, yeah, he had a couple big college seasons. You know who won it that year? Um, was that Johnny? Lamar Jackson. Boom, oh, back Lamar. on track. Boom, nicely done. Yeah, back on track. Mark Ingram's best attribute for fantasy is that he's the running back behind Lamar Jackson. Ingram has always been known for his yards per carry, and I've gushed about the yeah the Jackson 5, basically Lamar providing that 5 yards per carry for any running back behind him. And that goes back to last year since Lamar started games. Baltimore running backs are number one in the NFL in yards per carry. And it's just so perfect because that's what Mark Ingram has always been known for. He ranks number one among all running backs since 2014 in yards per carry. And he's up there in yards after contact as well. So just an amazing transition for Mark Ingram from New Orleans to Baltimore. For the millionth year in a row, Mark Ingram was just a great value in fantasy drafts. 2019 was actually Mark Ingram's second best fantasy season of his career. And man, I think we forget how talented he is, you know, or or was. I don't know, because yeah, the scaled back usage. But last year, he had some smoke signals. He got busted for the PEDs, and he was the running back 32 all said and done in 2018. But before that, Trav, Mark Ingram was the running back 6, the running back 8, the running back 11, and the running back 15. I'll be outside the bank. I'm right here and be more outside the bank. Yeah, man, you can take that to the bank. He's shown a lot of consistency in his career. And I think he's got a pretty underrated career going on right now. So uh, I personally just, you know, fantasy football aside, love Mark Ingram as a player. Um, I think he showed a lot more of his personality this year with the with the Ravens being so much in the spotlight. And I think that just made me love him a little bit more because he's just hilarious. I also think, you know, he wasn't 
all a product of this offense. I think he did a little bit of them by himself. You mentioned his yards after contact totals over the last few seasons. This year, he was top 12 in that category. He had 524 yards after contact. Um, so that's almost half of his yardage. And per attempt, he had 2.6 yards after contact. So he was able to do a little bit of it by himself. Um, you know, that's pretty solid production. And I think he, he probably has potentially a couple more years in the tank. Yeah. About that. Big trust. Woo woo. I, I love what you said about his personality there. You kind of see he's a fiery dude. You kind of see how it ended up unceremoniously in New Orleans with Sean Payton, eh? Yeah, for sure. I can definitely see that because he's he doesn't seem like he would hesitate to step up when needed as far as voicing his opinion or getting a little bit fiery in the locker room. And, and I'm not quite sure if Sean Payton um, would like that. Yeah. I think he grew like a really strong place in that New Orleans locker room where he was mm-hmm. kind of a huge part of it and guys listened to him and maybe Payton didn't want to relinquish any of that power. No, totally. So with Mark Ingram, really quick, I do want to hit that passing use. He had five receiving touchdowns this year. The fantasy points he saw in the passing game, it was just wild. He had a touchdown on every sixth target in 2019, and his five receiving touchdowns this year equaled his career total. So Mark Ingram has six different seasons with zero receiving touchdowns. So this year, only one running back had more receiving touchdowns than Marky Mark, Austin Eckler, and he had almost 70 catches more. Wow, that's pretty wild. Um, shout out to Austin Eckler for that season he had for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Mark Ingram, just another feather in the efficiency cap of this offense, right? Yeah, totally. Do you actually, do you want to talk about his contract really quick? I, I'm confident Mark Ingram's back in 2020, but like the base salary is 4 million. The cap hit is 5.3. Dead hit is like 3.1. So one of those situations where they, they could be, they'd be paying him not to play football on their team. You know what I mean? And Public Enemy didn't just cut Flav a Flav, right? You need a, you need a hype man. <laughs> you do need a hype man. Yeah, I think, like you said, he's going to be back in 2020. They don't save enough money to cut him. Um, but I think, you know, with his age and with we like Justice Hill in the backfield there, and you never really know how they could retool in the coming seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think maybe two more seasons with the Ravens. And I think after next year could be a little bit more of a platoon. Uh, but I think he's probably got that job locked for 2020. Yeah, and like that, everything you just said is what my gut says, but I do think there is a range of outcomes where just like poof, it's gone. You know what I mean? Because Mark Ingram, he played on just forty-five percent of the Ravens' snaps this year. It really shows that he received the high leverage work. You know what I mean? Since Gus Edwards played like thirty-six percent of the snaps, but yeah, Ingram had like eight goal line touchdowns this year, which which we predicted Bruce season for sure. By the way, when Baltimore had the most vacated red zone carries and all that, but I I, I still have hesitation because this whole backfield could could flip. That that would happen if Mark Ingram was visited by Father Time. Like it, it happens. He's almost as old as us, Trav. Yeah, I'm, I know, man. Father Time <laughs> hits pretty hard. <laughs> hey, Trav, check this out. So in 2019, he had 202 rushing attempts, 1,019 yards, five touchdowns, 26 receptions. My projections for 2019 were 219 rush attempts. 1,070 yards, seven touchdowns, and I gave him 20 catches. And a lot of people really gave me a lot of guff about that. Well, you know what I say to that? That's a snipe, buddy. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. So do you want to do actually a quick either or? I got the rankings here. 
I do actually. One thing I want to mention too is we got some really good feedback uh, recently on the pod. Um, a lot of people have been saying they like our stuff, and one person actually mentioned that they want to hear some more of that either or stuff because they like us. They like to hear us go through those decisions. So uh, hit me with the either or. I got a couple for you later this episode, actually. Nice, and you know that's why I like doing them because when I'm on a podcast, I, you know you can say a guy's a running back too. You can say this, you can say that, but you have to do the player battles because that's what players are doing in drafts, and I'm going to be doing it in is earliest a month from now in best ball drafts right so i'm gonna have to decide yeah, in these redrafts if i'm gonna take mark ingram or carry on johnson Ooh, okay so carry redraft on, carry on. yeah redraft oh yeah yeah totally with you these things force us to put our money where our mouth is and i think in that one i'm gonna be taking mark ingram yeah i i think i'll take mark ingram there what about james connor Ooh. I want to see a little bit more shakeout in that backfield. I want to see how much Benny Snell is being used going into next season and what Jalen Samuels' role is. But, oh, that's a close one. Um, Mark Ingram's certainty makes it Mark Ingram by a hair. But if if it clears up for James Conner, I could easily see myself going James Conner. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take uh, Mark Ingram in that one. Mark Ingram nice. or Marlon Mack? I think these guys are really similar. Yeah, these, this is a close one. Marlon Mack's injury history does scare me a little bit, but that offensive line is just stellar. Uh, we've seen that they just want to pound it with him and give him 20 totes a game. So oh, I'm going to hesitantly take a shot on Marlon Mack on that one if all things stay the same and he's looking like the lead dog, but I could see them adding to that position. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Mark Ingram still there. What about Devin Singletary? That's an interesting one. You know I like Devin Singletary a lot. Um I think it's going to be Devin Singletary for me. I think he's going to get that workload going into next year. Yeah, in redraft, I'll take Mark Ingram all day there. Uh, Miles Sanders. Ooh, pulling on the heartstrings on this one. I'm going to go with Miles Sanders. I think that passing game upside is good. He had a ton of scrimmage yards in total, so you know it's, he did it in a different way than Mark Ingram did, but I, I think he can do it again. Um, and Mark Ingram's touchdowns are probably going to regress a little bit, and I think Miles Sanders could regress upward. So uh, I'm going to go Miles Sanders on that one. All right, last one, Chris Carson. Wait, where are you going on that one? I know you like yeah, Miles I'll go, too. I'll go Miles Sanders in that one. I think okay. that I'm like really clear there. Like I really want Mark Ingram over Singletary over James Conner. Not too sure about carry on and Marlon Mack, but uh, I definitely want Miles Sanders and I definitely want Chris Carson over Mark Ingram. Yeah, I'm with you on Chris Carson too. I think, you know, he's going to come back into that role. He got a ton of carries this year. He was super productive. He was a great guy to own on your fantasy roster. Yeah, I just I, I think Mark Ingram's a little bit hard to pin down because I feel like people may value him as a mid RB2, but once rookies come in, I just think he, he will drop to that back end of RB2, so... So do you want to hit Gus Edwards? Uh, we could talk a little bit about him. Yeah, for sure. He had a pretty solid season. We talked a little bit about those red zone attempts, um, and that's what kind of stands out for his season on for me is the red zone attempts that he had. Uh, but I, I kind of liked him going into the season, not to produce for fantasy, just I knew that he had a pretty good finish to the season last year. Got and some weight. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And with, you know, with a couple things shaking his way, he could have had a big year this year. They showed that they trust him, that's for sure. He kind of did have a big year. I mean, he was only behind Raheem Mostert this season in yards per carry. And he was over five yards per carry last year and became a league winner under Lamar Jackson. I think he was like a top two or an RB2 last year. And the obvious issue I have with Gus Edwards, aside from the injustice that, you know, is 
underlying. But the passing work is non-existent. Gus Edwards has 270 carries in two seasons now. 270 carries is nice. He has nine catches. (laughs) And (laughs) I also, dude, I have one giant personal issue with Gus the Bus. The guy has stolen the nickname of a legend, number one. And the real bus, Jerome fucking Bettis, would be ashamed (laughs) of this dude's efficiency in the red zone. So starting at the goal line, Gus Edwards is the only player with more than three carries at the goal line without a touchdown. He had six. Only player to have more than six carries inside the opponent's 10-yard line without a touchdown. He had 10 of those attempts. He did have a touchdown in the red zone, but he was one of only two players with over 13 carries in the red zone, but only one touchdown or less, and he had 21 of those opportunities. So going forward, I'm just not willing to draft Gus Edwards right now in best balls anytime soon. Definitely not acquiring him in Dynasty. Do you have any value in Gus Edwards right now on any platform? Not not overly, man. I think at best he's a handcuff to Mark Ingram going into next season, but we don't really even necessarily know that he is that because we are looking for that progression from Justice Hill. So uh, I just don't really see the outlook for Gus Edwards. I don't necessarily see him going anywhere else and carving out a role either. So he's not somebody I'm looking to acquire. And, you know, if somebody will take him as the last piece in getting a deal over the hump, I would definitely include him there. So especially see if the Mark Ingram owner would want to have him as kind of a bench stash handcuff. I would definitely let him go in that situation. Okay, so let's talk about the guy I really like in this backfield, Justice Hill. He's an Oklahoma State product, and you know he was in that offense with Mason Rudolph and James Washington. So come on, guys. We know how good Justice Hill is now when we see what Mason Rudolph and James Washington are doing. And he did keep Chris Carson on the bench in Oklahoma State. we got to remember that, too. Justice Hill also had the fastest 40 time at the Combine among all running backs. As we stand right now, he's a running back three, but I love Justice Hill as a prospect, and he hasn't failed by any means. And I know he's a bit capped no matter what happens in this offense. I I would love to see him unleashed in the passing game. But with that said, I just think Justice Hill is the only true three-down skill set running back in Baltimore right now. Do you have any, any thoughts on Justice Hill? Yeah, I think you're pretty spot on there, man. I think we want to see him get the chance to do it, right? You mentioned earlier that uh, this running game is kind of, aside from Lamar Jackson, missing a little bit of an explosive element, and we both kind of agree that Justice Hill can be that. Um, Like you said, he's not really going to get a whole bunch of work out of the backfield as far as the passing game, but I'd love to see them use him creatively, Um, you know, maybe put him out in the slot, use him on motion, uh, maybe some drag routes across the field as kind of a safety net for Lamar when he scrambles. I would love to see him used like that. Um, It remains to be seen, but I think he's got the skill set to do it. He is somebody on the flip side of Gus Edwards. He's somebody that I would love to be picking up in deals, adding him to the bottom of my bench because there is some huge upside with Justice Hill if he gets a crack at it. Okay, so speaking of justice, let's go to Hollywood. Uh, Actually, really quickly with the wide receivers in Baltimore, I just want to say they only split 182 targets amongst them all season. That's almost as many as Michael Thomas had by himself this year. But that was 32nd in the NFL, a.k.a. dead last, and just over 11 targets per game for Ravens wide receivers in 2019. Yeah, Hollywood soaked up 71 of those targets, so um, he did miss two games, but he had 46 receptions on those 71 targets, 584 yards and seven touchdowns. He was the only wide receiver in Baltimore to go over 500 yards. So that kind of shows how, you know, how capped these wide receivers are as far as their usage. That first game, he came out hot with 147 yards and two touchdowns. He was a top 15 wide receiver through the first three weeks. You saw him in a lot of trade talks, people trying to acquire him. Um, Savvy owners, you know, potentially sold him and got a good return for their rosters. But I think after those three games, 
Hollywood just kind of battled target volume. He averaged only four targets in the final 11 games. And in that span, he was only over 50 yards once. And he only cleared 60% snaps four times in those 11 games. So um, I think the offense kind of caps him from being what we want him to be, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of stuff is capping in it. It's just trippy to think about his season. It's such a roller coaster. He was the first wide receiver off the board in NFL draft. And then that did not translate to rookie drafts, if we remember. And then he comes out beginning of the season, like you said, and just balled right out. looked amazing. And, but yeah, injuries, snap limitations. And it really is the injuries. And we know that Marquise Hollywood Brown's ceiling is straight up Tyreek Hill. He looks, he's one of those guys, he's a 4-3 guy, but he looks even faster than that. And he made 50-yard catches in college consistently. He was a yards per route run god in college. And in his last season, he had 35% of his catches go for over 20 yards in college. But yeah, you know, there is a lot of concerns with Hollywood. No wide receiver under 170 pounds has had a 1,000-yard receiving season in the last 25 years. And he has the injury. A Liz Frank injury sucks. A surgery isn't even the worst part of a Liz Frank injury. The second surgery is the worst part. And, you know, it's not a laughing matter. But in you mentioned the snaps. In 2019, Hollywood played on just 50% of the snaps. So we have to have a lot of concerns about him. Yeah, for sure. And just to kind of stick with this offense and kind of what it does, if you look at Baltimore's formations, they had two or fewer wide receivers on the field almost half the time, and they had one wide receiver on the field for a league leading 15% of their plays. Uh, so I think it kind of shows that maybe in those one wide receiver sets, Hollywood wasn't necessarily the one wideout that they would trot out there. Uh, the wideouts only had 44% of the team's targets too. You mentioned that the total targets, the, the percentage is low as well. Um, I, I'm just a little bit worried because I think he needs some of that Mark Andrews efficiency uh, in order to put up fantasy numbers. And we kind of know what Mark Andrews has done and we're going to get into that as well. So uh, a little bit of concern on that, uh, on that Hollywood. Like I would even take, let alone Tyreek Hill, I would take the DJAX ceiling where he gets 60 catches for a thousand yards and five to seven touchdowns. Um, but even in those seasons, DJAX was getting like 80 to a hundred targets. So we need an uptick in those targets to see what we want from Hollywood. Yeah, and I was just thinking, like, we know what John Brown did in Buffalo this year, what he accomplished. You have to think back on what happened to him under Lamar Jackson last season. I know Lamar is a new Lamar. I know that they're calling different plays, but it was ultra extreme. And honestly, it's why I own very little Hollywood in Dynasty Leagues, unfortunately. So John Brown last year under Joe Flacco in Baltimore, he had over 13 points per game in fantasy. Under Lamar in his seven starts, John Brown dipped down to 3.6 points per game in PPR. And then we saw what he did this year. So, yeah, I I just, I really worry about the air yards and all that kind of stuff in this offense, which he needs, obviously. And then you worry about the injury concerns and just wide receivers and running backs in Baltimore. They've suffered from some of the lowest volume we've seen in this era and it's it's also interesting because Hollywood Brown can be so good that if he could get healthy and stay on the field, he could demand a good chunk of volume and he could curve some of the formations and stuff we've seen in this offense. But so far, uh, we haven't seen that. What, what, what are you thinking for Marquise Hollywood Brown's dynasty value over under top 36? I'm pushing. Uh, I think he's probably inside the top 36. Um, I think there is potential for some more targets if they were to uh, get Seth Roberts and Willie Sneed out of here. Um, I think I'd probably put him closer to the 30 to 36 range than I would the 20 to 24. Uh, but I think he's just inside that 30 to 36. Yeah, I'm, I, I said it. I'm pushing <laughs> right at wide receiver yeah, 36. Yeah. Uh, no, I'll, I can't not label him as at least a wide receiver three. He's so talented. 
Actually, I, let's do an mm-hmm. either or in Dynasty for Dynasty. There are oh, some. You beat me to it. Yeah. Okay. I had one for you too. Oh, do you want to? <laughs> do you want to do it then? No, you go with your guys first, and I'll throw in any guys that you didn't oh, list. Okay. Because these are these are all wide receivers. I have a hard time with. They always go inside and outside of my top thirty-six. Like they're just you know, it's a rotating door with these guys. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Marquise Hollywood Brown in Dynasty or Will Fuller. <laughs> <laughs> Who gives a fuck? I'm going, yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's not, you know, I have not ever been an owner of Will Fuller. He just gets hurt way, way too often. So I'm going to go Hollywood on that one. Yeah, I'm a pretty high owner of Will Fuller. And I actually think it's like one of the most team dependent things I've ever seen. If you're a contender, I'd take Will Fuller. If you're a rebuilder, I'd take Marquise. So let's go yeah. Curtis Samuel. Uh, Hollywood, Hollywood. I'm just going to buy that youthful upside and he doesn't have DJ Moore across from him. He has some quarterback certainty. So I'm going to go with Hollywood over Curtis Samuel. Ditto. Miko Hardman. Ooh, that's a tricky one. I think Sammy's gone this year. So I'm going Miko Hardman, baby. Yeah, I'll still take Hollywood, but that one is super close. I want both those guys really bad on my dynasty teams. If, uh, you know, and if I'm a contender, I definitely, I'm valuing Miko Hardman a little bit more. Sterling Shepard yeah. or Marquise Brown? I'm going to go Hollywood. He just offers a little bit more excitement. And when I'm getting into my, you know, wide receiver four, wide receiver five on my roster, I want a little bit more upside. And I think Hollywood provides that more so than Sterling Shepard. Ditto. What about Brandon Cooks? Oh, imagine asking this one a year ago. Yeah, no. Actually, yeah, Nuts. kind of. <laughs> Nuts. I don't think Hollywood's values change that much in a year, to be honest. Yeah, but Cooks is just in plummeted. In Dynasty. Yeah, um, totally. That's true. I This is really close because Cooks is still young. He's only 25 and he's got a great skill set. But Yeah, I'm taking Brandon Cooks all day here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's close. Cooks failed me on a lot of rosters. Yeah, so people are just – I, I just thought it was funny that part. yeah, people just hate Brandon Cooks already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got any that I left off there? Uh, yeah, I got uh, a couple. Let's go. Cool. But I think these ones might be a little bit high. Uh, Robbie Anderson. Yeah, I'll take Mark. I'll take Marquise Brown over Robbie Anderson. I was just thinking how much we might be able to see him ascend next year. So I had guys like uh, Mike Williams. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm going Mike Williams there. How about you? Yeah, see, I'm going Hollywood Brown, but I definitely, I definitely see that. Are you like you know Mike Williams coming off a thousand yard season? He's one of the biggest touchdown regression candidates uh, for positive touchdown regression this year. The irony. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I just think I, I definitely, I think what we're laying out here is that Marquise Hollywood Brown is so team dependent when it comes to dynasty. If you're a rebuilding team, you, you value him extremely high. In my opinion, if you're a contending team, you know, he's an asset you're probably going to use to, uh, acquire, you know, people to produce right now, because I do, you know, I think we're all on the same page where we don't see 2020 being the year where the passing game is going to explode in Baltimore. No, I think we're probably a couple years out from that. So uh, why don't we move on to another guy that's on the roster, but there probably is going to be a little bit of moving and shaking with these wide receivers. Uh, let's talk a little bit of Miles Boykin. Um, he's a guy I liked his profile coming out. Uh, you kind of put me on to him a little bit last offseason, and I dug in a little bit more, and I, I really like the player, but only 22 targets this year. He did have a high average depth of target. He had a 17.2 average depth of target, so that's stellar, but... It's really hard to see him breaking through unless Willie Sneed and Seth Roberts give way. 
those guys between them had 80 targets so that is a decent little piece of the pie that could come but there's no telling that that would go directly to miles boykin so if he's like deep on one of my benches or if he's a taxi squad guy that's where i'm gonna stash him but what do you think about miles boykin yeah, I mean, right off the top, I didn't expect him to come in and produce right away. Out of Coming out of Notre Dame, he wasn't really like a super polished prospect by any means. He's a big boy as well. I really liked his prospect profile. Ever since he was the MVP of the Citrus Bowl, I was really onto him. And he's just an athletic freak. He's 90th percentile or better. Catch radius, agility score, burst score, and speed score. He ran a 4-4. And yeah, he's 94th percentile spark X score, 91st percentile arm length. And there's nothing to not like about Miles Boykin except his body situation. So... Yeah, and, and it's frustrating because in Ravens sewing circles right now, they're talking about, you know, pass rush, maybe inside line. Their whole defensive front probably is their number one priority. But wide receiver is what they're talking about adding in the offseason. So it, I just think it's ironic because you could just expect some internal growth from Miles Boykin. And I do expect that. But it's very possible that they add another significant piece. Like if rugs falls to them, they, you never know. They they could continue to build around Lamar and give him more weapons. Mm-hmm. But I, and I think that would make it muddy for all these wide receivers if they did that. Yeah, and it's one of those things, like, I have no idea what Miles Boykin's dynasty value is. Like, do you want him or Auden Tate? We got another either-or here? Yeah, or? actually, let's do an either-or because I have, like, three guys. Actually, okay. yeah, definitely, I have some guys here. Let's do it. Okay, sounds good. Just real quick, our buddy Mark on Twitter, uh, fellow Canadian at Maydar77, he's the guy who told us that he likes those either-ors, so uh, he's really, really going to like this, and we appreciate the feedback, so uh, hit me, Ty. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's loving a Miles Boykin either-or, but yeah, Auden Tater, Miles Boykin. <laughs> that's fair, but you never know. Um, hmm. Give me Auden Tate. I think that's going to be more pass-heavy offense, and he's used a lot in that red zone. Kiki Cootie or Miles Boykin? Uh, give me, ooh, not a big Kiki Cootie guy. I can totally see an argument for him, but I'm going to go Miles Boykin. Just Yeah, I'm Boykin on the first two. Jacoby Myers. Hmm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Boykin as well. Yeah, I'll go Jacoby on that one. And this is yeah. Dynasty. Greg Ward. Ooh, another heartstring yep. puller. Oh, you're, you don't even know like Greg Ward a lot, but, uh, yeah, you know what? Give me Greg Ward. Me too, I think. Yeah. All right, Chris Connolly. Oh, another <laughs> one. Uh, oh, man. Situation stays exactly the same for Conley. I'm going to go Conley, but. Yeah, Keelan Cole is going to be like wide receiver one for the Patriots, so Chris Conley's got an improved situation. Yeah, he's going to be booming. All right, speaking of business booming, do you want to go to a guy who, uh, you know, boomed? Oh, we're talking Mark friggin' Andrews, aren't we? Great. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, I love it. Love it. He's one of our kind of favorite calls from the from the offseason for me. He came out as the tight end five on the year. He's also the tight end five in points per game with 13.8. Uh, he had 64 catches on 98 targets for 852 yards and the only tight end to score 10 touchdowns this year. We love Mark Andrews here at True North. Oh, yeah. And what, like, after the year he had, we won't be stacking Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews in the double digits of our best balls this year, unfortunately. But I still might be buying Mark Andrews. He's he's just a fantasy drooling combination of an athletic machine who can make it happen after the catch. And his offense targets him down the field. And he doesn't get asked to block much when he's on the field. It's to be a threat in the receiving game. Oh, man, I just I really like Mark Andrews and sky's the limit for him. And, you know, we hit the running back targets. We hit the wide receiver targets. And you might be asking, so where'd all those targets go? 
Baltimore was second <laughs> by a wide margin behind your boys, Philadelphia, for total tight end targets. But this was interesting, Trav. Baltimore was number one by a wide margin with 43.6% of their targets going to the tight ends. Like, that's almost half their targets going to the tight end position. I went back to 2013. No team had more than 37% of their passes go to tight ends. The past five-year average for the team who led the NFL in tight end target share is about 33%. So Baltimore tight ends saw over a 10% higher share of their team's targets than that. And Baltimore were still top 10 in yards per attempt and success rate when targeting tight ends. Yeah, it was pretty awesome to see. You know, I think Mark Andrews is the only guy you want on your fantasy roster out of the tight end group. Uh, But, you know, they had two tight end sets. They had lots of three tight end sets. Uh, Mark Andrews was just a huge beneficiary of that. Uh, I actually looked at the rankings from the preseason. You had him ranked as the tight end 11 and I had him ranked as the tight end 12. So I think we might've been a little bit higher than some. And, you know, he even outproduced what our projection was for his rankings. So it, it was fantastic. There were... You know, the yardage totals were a little bit up and down. He had seven games under 50 yards and three games under 25 yards. And actually in those games, he didn't score any touchdowns. So uh, those three games were definitely duds for you. And I think you're going to kind of have to live with that. And that's just kind of a product of this offense and, you know, their propensity to run the ball a little bit heavier and their their usage for Mark Andrews. Because like you said, he's not in there a ton, but when he's in there, he's going to catch the ball. And yeah, I think it's also a product of leading your team in every offensive category. You know what I mean? Teams are just going to bottle you up some games. I think we saw that in the playoff game. And yeah, defenses succeeding when they eliminated Mark Andrews, they succeeded against this passing offense in Baltimore. So we'll we'll, we'll have to follow that in the offseason. I think the other thing that's going to be talked about a lot with Mark Andrews is the snaps. And I just think his upside and how he's used, it, it makes it so he doesn't need to play a ton of snaps. Nick Boyle led the tight end group by far, playing almost 70% of the snaps, but his role is to run block. Mark Andrews should see an increase in snaps anyways next season, but Mark Andrews wasn't even in the sole possession of the second tight end snap share in, in, on his own team. He and Hayden Hurst played 41%. Hayden Hurst, the oldest sophomore in history, Van Wilder style or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So if anybody's worried about the snaps, I'll leave you with this. Mark Andrews led the Ravens in targets, catches, receiving yards, air yards, yards after the catch, and touchdowns. And everything else. Just not snaps. And any touchdown regression he has coming should be balanced out by an increase in playing time and, you know, a possible next step, kind of. Yeah, you're totally right, man. And if we look at his ranks amongst NFL tight ends... He was second in yards per pass route at 3.69. That is like an astronomical figure. So he was also top 10 in yards per reception, top 10 in yards per target. He was the number one tight end in average depth of target and in deep targets to tight ends. So he had 20 deep targets. And I think it's his work down the field, like you mentioned earlier, that makes him so awesome. 23% of his 98 targets were past 15 yards. So that's, you know, 15 yards plus down the field. He caught five of his 10 touchdowns on those targets and he delivered a passer rating of 105 on those. So he's efficient. He helps out his quarterback and they like to use him deep and he was fantastic. You know, you see him on a lot of flag routes or post routes where Lamar hits him in stride. Looked super, super good. And I love Mark Andrews going forward big time. Mm hmm. Okay, so if you love him so much, let's talk some Dynasty. Mark Andrews is one of the biggest risers of 2019, safe to say. But is he a top five tight end in Dynasty for you now? Top five is really, really close. Um, So I think for me, it's probably, first glance, Kittle, Kelsey. 
Uh, we're probably looking at like Ingram Waller Ertz there potentially. Um, so do you want him over Zach Ertz? I'm taking him over Zach y- Ertz. Not yet for me. Yeah, not I'll yet. take him over Zach Ertz in Dynasty. What about Evan Ingram? Ah, uh, it's Evan Ingram. Yeah, I'll take Evan Ingram there probably, but I wouldn't be surprised if the you know the end of next year if Evan Ingram misses some time, I'll start mm-hmm. to worry about his profile uh, and fragility. So what about Hunter Henry? That's really close. Hunter Henry was stellar this year. We're going to get into a lot of these tight ends later on in the episode. Um, yeah, I think whew. I think Mark Andrews is definitely top five for me because I'm not even questioning taking him over like Hunter Henry, Austin Hooper, TJ really, Hawkinson, eh? Darren Waller. I'll take him over all those guys. Yeah. With, so which one of us loves Mark Andrews here, huh? <laughs> He's my highest owned <laughs> player in, in uh, best balls this year. <laughs> Yeah, I think we we both love him, so it's it's awesome, and I think he's right on that cusp. He's definitely top eight for me. Um, you said it. He's he's going to be an awesome dynasty tight end yeah, for and years it, to come. That's one of those cheat codes, everybody. Like you just look at rookie wide receivers who could put up five hundred receiving yards. They're stars. Like it's an exact science. It's really trippy. Um, so I, my final thought is if this three man group can shrink to like a two man group for fantasy somehow, and if Mark Andrews can see his snaps climb. I think a George Kittle leap is in the range of outcomes for, for him next year. Yeah, he's got the profile for sure. So I think we're pretty much ready to crawl out of the Ravens' nest here. What do you think? Yeah, I think that kind of sews it up. Quote the Raven, nevermore. Hey, DC, Chuba Huber, uh, Chuba Hubbard is, uh, he's going back, eh? <laughs> Yes, he is. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's a good a good decision for his draft stock potentially because there are a lot of good running backs coming out. But uh, we love to see those Canadian boys getting into the NFL, and we're just got got to wait one more year for Chuba. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, did you see the national championship? That was pretty good, eh? Yeah, I watched most of it. I had Joe some stuff Burrow. going on on the home front, but uh, Do you know Joe Burrow's Joe Burrow, dad, man, uh, coaching CFL. Eh? Yeah, I saw that. He was talking about him losing a couple Grey Cups. Yeah. I loved the little <laughs> CFL shout out there. That was funny. God, I loved it. Yeah, that was cool. All right, Ty, let's get the hell out of here, eh? Uh, thank you to our listeners for listening. Uh, if you want to connect with us, hit us on Twitter at TrueNorthFFB. I am at TSEAL14, and Ty is at TNFFTyrell. Please make sure you go hit the website. We've got some articles going up. Uh, Gymnastic, actually, just uh, we just dropped a Cam Akers article of his today. And Ty's got some written stuff that I'm super excited to get on the site pretty soon. So make sure you hit that up at truenorthffb.com. Ty, you got anything as we ride out? No, just keep checking out the written content and keep downloading the pod. Really appreciate it. And don't work too hard, everyone. Yeah, don't work too hard. We uh we got a snow day coming up here, so we are not going to work too hard. And uh, on that note, it's time to go make some snowballs and pelt the kids with them. So thank you. We will see you next week. Peace. Oh, I can't wait for the Bengals to fuck that up. <laughs> Tristan Wirfs. Hugh Jackson hired his <laughs> offensive coordinator. <laughs> They're bringing Andy Dalton back on a long-term deal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the redhead uh, theory just kept Mm -hmm. on going this year, eh? Yeah. Because Carson Wentz (laughs) and Andy Dalton fucked up. Yeah. It's so trippy. It goes back past before Carson Palmer. It's just an amazing... Like, no two redheads can have the power at the same time in in the NFL at quarterback. (laughs) 
Only one can have it at one time. It's like amazingly inexact science. Yeah. And it was all Wentz's fault this year. He was supposed to break that whole pattern in, in the last couple of years. And he just keeps fucking making it happen. Can't really be mad at the guy. He doesn't have a fucking soul. Yeah. Well, it was funny because near the end of the year, see, I don't go that far with the whole redheads. I just like, I just <laughs> like the stat. <laughs> it's kind of a funny little narrative That's for so sure. Funny. Especially because redheads <laughs> hate being redheads more than it. I feel bad for them. It's like, man, try being like five mm-hmm. feet tall. Like, I'll yeah, take they hate <laughs> five feet tall. I, th- I think I probably would too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, near the end of the year, Kimmer, who, but someone fucked up. But then Sam Darno stole it back right in time. Mm. Because we're counting him as a redhead, apparently. Really? Oh, yeah. He's pretty close. He is not. He is blonde. Sam Darno? Sam Darnold yeah, has blonde beard, hair. It would be red. Yeah, but so is mine. Oh, you have a red. I have blonde hair too. Oh yeah, maybe you. Eh, are I'm not a. I'm not a. You're I am a not a redhead. Red. I got blonde hair, and my beard hair is shitty, and it comes out a tinted a little bit red. Wow, bud. Wow. <laughs> didn't you see the? Didn't you see the side by sides with him and McCown last year? Oh yeah. Those golden locks. Yeah, McCown was the guy I think who had it before uh, Sam Darnold. Yeah, those are fucking Van Gilswick locks is what those are. <laughs>